Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. It is a Thursday edition of the show. want to say hello to all of the Pewter people that are filing in as this episode gets underway. We have an interesting topic. I would say a fun topic. It's always fun talking about the box, but this... Is maybe a topic that Bucks fans might get a little riled up over, and that's what's happened to Chris Godwin. Uh, this isn't the Chris Godwin from 2019 and 2020. Still think he's quite capable of getting back to uh, that range, but we just haven't seen it yet this season. So we're going to dive into all of that. We're going to talk about Kalijah Cansey, the injury report, and a little bit more about Bucks versus Panthers, along with various questions and comments from the Peter people as well. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is my main man and fellow colleague from pewterreport.com, Adam Slavon. Adam, how are we doing on this Thursday afternoon? We're doing pretty good, Matt. Always a pleasure to be on with you and uh, to discuss the topic at hand today. Yeah, going to be, uh, I was going to say dicey, but dicey is definitely not the, the correct phrasing for it, but going to be a little tougher of a, of a subject than the typical like, oh, this is why the Bucks are great, or this is why the Bucks are uh, terrible because there isn't a really distinct, correct answer because I think there's certain positives that you can look at with Chris Godwin. And then there's the clear and obvious negatives to what he's been doing this season. And, uh, you know, a lot of times on Thursday, we kind of further the discussion of the Bucks and, and their opponent and things of that nature. But let's be real. It's a one in 10 Panthers team, whatever they are. They got a one win yeah. on the season. This isn't, you know, this isn't Eagles 49ers. This isn't no. a marquee matchup. The NFL would never flex this game into another. This would be the game where if it was on Thursday or Sunday night or Monday, they'd say, we're taking this game out and putting in uh, another one. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're not going to fool the viewers. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to tell you that this is the, the greatest game of all time. Game of the week. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there is a player that will be participating in Sunday's game which is not game of the week, but he's player of the month, specifically the defensive rookie of the month. But got some nice news about Kalijah Kansi today. He was named the rookie of the month for his performance in the month of November. And Adam, I'll let you start off with however you want to uh, describe what we've seen from Kalijah Kansi. But, I mean, to say that his presence has been felt since joining this team, or really just getting back into the lineup since his injury – I think would be an understatement. Yeah, for sure. And it kind of reminds me uh, when Baker Mayfield addresses like his wide receivers, like Mike Evans, he usually calls him a stud with Kalijah. Kansi, yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. He's been a stud this year and, and really seven games, eight. If you count the Vikings game, he played 11 snaps. He's really turned it up and has brought some juice to the defensive line. You look at it um, in those eight games, eight tackles for loss, eight quarterback hits, three sacks. Uh, I know Scott Reynolds mentioned yesterday on the show, he's already tied many of the defensive tackles that have come before him in yeah. Buccaneers history. And with the way he's playing, he's on, on track to be the next great defensive tackle for the Bucks. And it's enjoyable to listen to Cansey because he's very humble when he talks. He keeps it kind of down low and he's just like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. I'm just yeah. hungry to make plays and have an impact. And really over the past month, He's really stepped onto the scene as one of the best rookies and is very deserving of uh, his honor today. 
I got to give a shout out to our guy, Stephen Che, who we spent a fair amount of time with during the uh, the joint training camp with the Jets and obviously with their practice against the Giants. He's a big time Bucks fan as well. And he tweeted out about, I want to say like around a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, he was like, if you want really good odds, take Kalijah Kansi to win defensive rookie of the year. Because at the time, not too many people had separated themselves from the pack. And Kalijah Kansi, we saw it briefly, but like could really do some damage for the Bucks on the interior defensive line. Now, uh, Witherspoon from the Seahawks, the uh, the, the cornerback, uh, Devin Devon Witherspoon, um, he's really been fantastic. So I think yeah. he's probably the odds-on favorite to win. But I, I tweeted out, it's incredible what Kalijah Kansi has been able to do. He missed essentially all of training camp. All of all the training camp never had a preseason game or a training camp practice where he was dressed head to toe in helmet, shoulder pads, and the pads that you wear on, on your thighs and your knees. That's how early he got injured in training camp. As you just said, missed all of the preseason, played 11 snaps in week one, and then wasn't seen again until after the bye week when they went up against Detroit. So for him to have this much of an impact to make this much of a difference on the defensive line for this defensive group, which obviously has not been perfect. It's struggled quite heavily over the last month, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Uh, but not to the fault of Kalijah Kansi, clearly. Some of the stats you brought up with the quarterback hits and all that stuff, 10 tackles over the last month. Nine of them were solo tackles. So he's getting yeah. one on his own. Uh, the number of sacks that he has, had a pass deflection, Yep. as well so impacting the game in different ways and another thing adam he played against the 49ers i want to say somewhere between like 56 and 67 percent of the defensive snaps did not register a stat i know we got a try and Chanka's case on that uh, a couple weeks ago whenever it was he did not register a stat against the 49ers not a combined tackle not a quarterback hit Nothing. And he still put up this production along the defensive line. Now, some of the history with the other Bucks uh, defensive tackles, Gerald McCoy. Well, I should start with Warren Sapp because he's the Hall of Famer and the, and the Ring of Honor member. But Warren Sapp, Gerald McCoy, Vita Vea, all as rookies, three sacks. Flash Kansi's already at three. And he hasn't even played a full season. So Yeah, he's played half a season. Less than half a season. Tip of the cap, like, what he's been able to do – it's it's kind of unseen from a from a rookie, a defensive tackle rookie. I know Jalen Carter is lighting it up, but again, Jalen Carter has been playing from from day one. So yep. it truly is remarkable what he's doing. Yeah, and uh, Larry Foote, he was kind of talking um, about Kalashikansi today, and he mentioned he's a, he's a pro that loves the game of football, and you see that every Sunday. Like his maturity, like he looks like a veteran, like a five, six year veteran, yeah. not a rookie who's played six or seven games. So for Kalijah Kansi, he's just been phenomenal. And I love the situation that the Bucs will be in because I think Kansi's only going to get better, right? Like we, we were talking the other day on the show, Logan Hall has not brought much to the table. But one thing that Logan Hall did do, and I'm not questioning his like work ethic or anything, but I think he wants to be a great player. It's just not working out right now. But when he was done with his rookie season, he went immediately into the weight room. And you could see the physical difference, the athleticism that he brought 
at least to training camp this season. Like, he was in shape. He was ready to play the part. Yeah. He had the looks for the part. He just couldn't <laughs> deliver the lines, essentially. Um, so, Kalijah Kansi, next season, when he's in the Bucks workout program, the same training regiment, regiment, whatever it's called, regiment, um, just building out his body even more, you're going to have him hopefully fully healthy for next season, plus Vita Vea, who has shown no signs of slowing down. Um, we There's loved, another guy. Yeah, we loved when it was Indomitian Sue and Vita Vea in 2020 and 2021, and they're a big reason why the Bucks had the best run-stopping defense in the league. Now, Kalash Kansi still has a long way to go with that. But I think eventually, and it's got to add up, right, where Canty reaches his prime and Vita kind of levels out before eventually declining. I'm not saying it's going to happen yet. Um, and it's not going to happen for a couple of seasons. But at some point, the Bucks will get to that. I think it has potential to be better than Vita and Adamkin Sue. Yeah, and regardless of what happens this season, and if they go in the next season with a 3-4 or a 4-3 defense, having Vita Vea and Kalijah Kansi, and then also... Yeah, yeah, Diaby yeah, in yeah. the mix as well. You mentioned rookies uh, progressing, building muscle. I don't know if Yaya Diaby needs any more muscle. I know. Like, this guy already <laughs> looks like, like like an alien, I think, was one of his posts. But just them both being able to add muscle to their frames and warn the playbook and get even more disruptive and comfortable. Like, the Bucks have a good thing going up front. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I like this comment from Bob Bubelis, who says, it's obvious I can't see he's getting celsius at his local bodega prior to game time as uh <laughs> larry fishman says yeah yeah diaby larry fishman sorry and uh shabazz says please bring sue back that's not gonna happen Adamkin sue is, is and i kind of like that he's doing this and you saw it with jpp but sue did this last year where he's like i'm just gonna wait around and then a team is gonna need a defensive tackle at some point and i'm just gonna join a winning team he did that yeah. with the Eagles, ended up going to the Super Bowl. Ultimately, they didn't win, but he was able to just join a team. He's probably going to do the same this season. Like, he, he's a big-time financial guy. Everyone knows that. He's not playing just because he needs a paycheck. He wants to win. He's not going to go to the four and seven bucks. It's, no. just, it's, not, it's just not going to happen, um, unfortunately. We do have a video of Kalijah Kansi talking about winning NFC uh, Rookie of the Month. So let's hear from him. Um, I definitely was surprised. I uh, kind of found out like right after practice. Um, not um, I, I didn't like put it on my goals or anything like that. I just wanted to play football and it came to me. As you can see, his teammates were whooping it up. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, Kalijah Kansi joins Levante David, Devin White, who did it twice. And Antoine Winfield Jr. as the only Bucks to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Or, wow. Sorry, Defensive Rookie of the Month. I just find it funny that they're all teammates. They all play on the same team and were uh, Rookie of the Month at one point of, or another. Of that year. list, I, I think Rick Stroud pointed it out today. Warren Sapp and Gerald McCoy didn't make Rookie of the Month as rookies. But Kalijah Kansi did. So, that, yeah. again, that, that just speaks to Kalijah Kansi doing something unprecedented. Uh, for a defensive tackle, even in Buccaneers history. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really cool to see. I only think he's he's going to get better and better. Um, 
And, you know, they're going to need them for the long haul if they, if they really want to turn this around because the Bucks don't really have – they have no more wiggle room. They really no. have none. I mean, I guess technically they could lose to the Panthers and the Falcons lose to the Jets and the Saints lose to the – I believe they're playing the Lions this week. <laughs> you could have that scenario where they're still in the same spot. But, I mean, you can't just – you can't rock with this team if they lose seven of eight and to a one-win team. The Sunday is really the last chance for the Bucks to control their own destiny. Uh, since starting off three and one, they had every chance to um, even play 500 football the rest of the year. And they're cakewalking in the division. But after losing six of seven, they need this Carolina win and to make it snowball going forward instead yeah. of backward. Yeah, I don't know what a reverse snowball would be. I guess they they need the uh, the snowball to melt. I guess which you're in you're in the state of Florida, so it's a possibility. But I think that's why you saw like there's been a lot about Baker and his comments from after the game, where he's like, "Guys, just gotta want it," you know that type of thing. And I I think at the time Baker said it in a moment of frustration. And but he was evoking true, true feelings um, yeah. at the moment, which I think was important because and he said on Wednesday that you they, everyone needs to treat this like a playoff game, whether it's the Panthers, whether it's the Falcons coming up and everyone else they have to play. Each game is a playoff game for the Buccaneers, because if they don't win, there's going to be a lot of changes. And yes, like it will probably end up with Todd Bowles. It'll end up with a, a lot of players on this team. But. It's a bit, it's, I think people forget sometimes it's like, oh, like whatever, I'll just go to another team. That yeah. means you have to like move, you have to take all of your belongings, go into a new city where maybe you don't know anybody, you don't know the, the area, you don't know any teammates that you're now about to join. If you have families, I imagine that's got to be horrific taking your kids out of school, or you leave your family in one spot and then you have to go to the other place. Like it's not just, it's different if you're like, you know, 22 years old, single, and just like, all right, screw it. I can just go here or here or here or whatever. But, yeah. you know, a lot of these guys are, like, older, and it's not easy. So if you win, that usually keeps a lot of core people intact. But if they don't make the playoffs, there's going to be a lot of changes. And, you know, will Mike be back? What do they do with Chris Godwin? What do they do with Carlton Davis? So I think it's in the best interest of every Bucks player to uh, to sack up and uh, and try to make a run. You know, that's a great point because uh, Dave Canales, he mentioned today about like the effect that winning and losing has had on, on his family and even mentioned like his kids um, in school with the recent losing streak. Like most of the kids have been pretty cool about it, but hey, there could be that one bully that picks on Dave Canales' kid uh, with the Bucks losing a bunch of games. So there's also the results on the field, but off the field, I think you mentioned it, uh, the mental as aspect and uh players are more than just robots that go on the field for 60 minutes. They have lives and they're a part of the community. So all that kind of ties in and should be considered. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, one of the, the big guys in that community is Chris Godwin, who obviously is, is the subject of the majority of, of today's episode. Uh, you know, Godwin has a, a foundation where he just had an event in Tampa recently. He's obviously been here for a while, a, a Super Bowl champion. And I think there's multiple ways really to dissect the season that Chris Godwin is having because it's, it's 
you know, it's clearly not what it was in 2018, 2019, 2020. But I watch Chris Godwin and I don't say to myself like, oh, man, he's he's lost a step or oh, he's like his career is on a downward spiral. I don't see that at all. I mean, it's quite interesting, too. You look at the numbers between Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you know, Godwin has 53 receptions on the season. Mike Evans only has one more. He literally has more catch than Mike Evans on the season, but everything else is just wildly, wildly different. I mean, Evans obviously has 850 yards compared to Godwin, just uh, barely over 600 at 606. The targets, let me double check. Um, The targets, Godwin has 82. What does Mike have? He has, I think, more, but not by much. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he has 91. So, yeah. And it's just interesting because, and Mike obviously has nine touchdowns. Chris just has one. But each week you hear Dave Canales say, oh, this offense runs through Mike and Chris. This offense runs through Mike and Chris. But then it's really just running through Mike. So how, how would you assess kind of what you've seen from Chris Godwin this season? What's your opinion on if it's a down season? Is it just an average season? And I think the biggest caveat in all of this, Adam, and then uh, you can have at it. I, I think what's frustrating is that Chris is the highest paid wide receiver on this team. And yeah. he's not putting up the production that you would expect from your highest paid wide receiver. Yeah, I guess just kind of starting with that. So Chris Godwin's being paid $20 million this season, but he's not playing like a $20 million receiver. And with the Bucks facing the decision this offseason to re-sign Mike Evans or keep Chris Chris Godwin, there's a future where only one of those receivers is with the Bucs. And with Mike Evans still producing at age 30, the argument's still siding with Evans. I wrote about it earlier this week. Yeah. The Bucs really can't afford to let Mike Evans leave because he's the one scoring all the touchdowns, getting downfield. He's that deep threat. Chris Godwin, he hasn't been that deep threat this season. Over the past five games, he's only had 208 yards and is averaging just 10.4 yards per reception. He's not getting into the end zone. He's not winning his one-on-ones deep down the field. And it really begs the question, is he being utilized properly within the offense? Um, This season, he's only been used in the slot, uh, what is it, 31.5% of the time. You go back last year, he was utilized 67% of the time in the slot. In 2019, when he had over 1,300 receiving yards as a product of playing with famous Jameis, he was in the slot 60% of the time. That's where he's been most successful. And the Bucs simply aren't putting him in those spots. Um, Asked Dave Canales today about it. He still said, we're using him in the slot a lot. And again, as you mentioned, the offense runs through Mike and Chris, but it's really only run through Mike. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer that Canales alluded to. Chris Godwin, he's not playing like a pro bowler. If, But to put it all into context, his season so far, you would take it if it was Russell Gage. Yeah, but yeah. If Chris it was Godwin, Russell Gage, you'd be like, hell yeah, yeah Russell you'd Gage, be like, you have a great season. Back. Yeah, way to bounce back. <laughs> but with Chris Godwin just having such a strong track record of success and really emerging during the Super Bowl years, he's kind of plateaued. But I still think that same guy is in there. He just has to be be brought out. Yeah, let's get to uh, the comment from Canals about Chris Godwin, which uh, you were the one asking him. 
look at our film, he's in the slot a lot, you know, so even though he's technically the Z receiver, you know, we have ways in our in our different one by three, two by two builds where we are getting him in the slot on some opportunities. Um, and you know, I'm just I'm just betting on the guy. You know, I'm betting on how he's how he's wired and made up and the way he works every day, that he's gonna find his way to continue to work through the things. And then also that Baker's gonna continue to learn how to throw to this particular player, you know. Um, but I think, you know, I've said it up here a lot of times, but it's you know, we start the pass game with Mike and Chris, you know, and so uh, continue to build those things that way. And um, hopefully the coverages that we're getting allow the ball to find them a little bit more. Yeah, and that was a big thing when Canales came in and wide receivers coach Brad Isaac obviously spoke about it because he coaches the position. And that was one of the adjustments they were going to make was moving Chris Godwin back to the outside where when he initially was coming up where he played. And, you know, Canales there said that they – play Godwin and I'm saying quotations in the slot a lot, but you yeah. just pointed out the statistics that that's not necessarily the case. And I have no issue with the Bucks offense, or I guess the, the scheme and the idea of Canales of this is how we're going to use Chris Godwin to the outside. Now, if they're scoring 30 points a game, like they did against the Texans or they're, they're winning. If they won six to seven versus losing six to seven, you're probably going to go, all right, well, maybe they're not getting the most production out of Chris Godwin, but at the end of the day, you're winning football games, so it's what's best for the team. But yeah. we've seen week in and week out, the the penalties, the drop balls. Chris Godwin is the one guy that's really caught everything except for the, the throw from Kyle Trask, but that was a tough play. That was in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. You hate to think, but, you know, the drop that Trey Palmer had against the Colts on second and 17 in the third quarter, which would have made it, it would have got them into field goal range. So at worst, they're looking at three points. They ended up having to punt because Trey Palmer didn't make that catch. That was over the middle. That was somewhere in the slot where it's like, well, if Chris Godwin was there, Godwin probably makes that catch and gets the first down. I think you can go back to Devin Tompkins in the game against the 49ers. That ball to him that... Listen, it wasn't the best throw. It, it, no. it was a bit of a tough play. And hands Tompkins, on it, though. Yeah, hands on. It ultimately didn't come up with it. If Chris is in the slot there, if he's in the middle, that might be a play that Chris Godwin comes up with, and it changes the outcome of the game. The other thing I, I really look at when it comes to Chris Godwin, it, and I try not to box score watch too much, I try to say this, but stats do tell some of the story, not all of the yeah. story, um, obviously. But... You know, if I were to ask you, Adam, or Bucks fans, like, what's a game this season that sticks out to you from Chris Godwin? The only one I could think of is the Saints game when they won yep. 26 to 9. And part of that was Mike Evans got injured at halftime, exactly. right before halftime. But that was his best game of the season. He had eight catches for 114 yards and uh, was thrown, targeted 11 times. That was the second most on the season. He was targeted 12 times in a game against Atlanta. And that stretch from Atlanta, when they played Atlanta, then the bye, Detroit, and New Orleans, that was pretty much his best run of the season. He went six for uh, six catches for 66 yards against Atlanta on 12 targets. Then he had six catches for 77 yards on seven targets against Detroit, and then the Saints game, which I just talked about. But outside of that, I mean <laughs> – Against San Francisco, he made six catches. Like, that's that's not bad. But he only had 39 receiving yeah. yards. That doesn't do anything. I mean, he's had 
other games where he's getting five catches, you know, for example, the, the Bears game where they scored 27 points, but really 20 because Shaq Barrett had that pick six. Yep. Five catches for 58 yards. Like, eh, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I I think we're where Chris Godwin thrives is the yards after the catch. And yeah. that's been probably where he's been suffering the most this season, which is even more surprising because the big selling point of the Dave Canales offense is that these guys are going to be great with the yak, with the yards after the catch, which you would think would play right into Godwin's wheelhouse. Yeah. And to kind of make the point about the yards after reception. So there may be the argument that Canales isn't utilizing him in ways to get downfield, but the counterpoint would be that Godwin isn't really getting down the field quick enough to get those yards after the reception, get that average depth of target. I think he's only averaging uh, 10.1 yards like on his uh, targets down the field. So he's not getting down the field quick enough. And I don't think he's being utilized in a way that would be like a number one wide receiver. He, he hasn't really played like a number one wide receiver this year. And I think that's partly why. And yeah, yeah, that that's all I really had on that. He's just not being yeah. utilized as a number one wide receiver in the way that Mike Evans is. I want to get to a couple comments uh, because obviously we love the Peter people. Eric, I see your super chat as well. We'll get to that soon, but it's a little bit of a different topic and want to stay on Goblin for um, a little bit. Lucas says, uh, I'd rather keep Mike and get rid of Chris if I had to choose one. Yeah, I agree. And it's, you know, it's, it's nothing on, it's nothing on Chris, but I think with Mike Evans, there's obviously the concern that he's 30, he's getting older in age and all of that stuff. But I actually, I looked up the the number of stats um, of like some of the better receivers in the league, like T.O., Chad Ochocinco, Reggie Wayne, guys like that. What were their numbers when they got to 31, 32, 33? And for a lot of those guys, and everyone's different, of course, but like yeah. for Wayne, for example, you really didn't see a drop off in in like the stats and everything until he hit around 33, 34 years old. And to me, that's all right in terms of, oh, should they re-sign Mike Evans? I don't know how many years Mike is looking for, but Mm -hmm. I think if the Bucs could come to an agreement on a three-year deal with Mike Evans. That'd be perfect. I would sign up for that in a second. It's just whether or not Mike wants to do it. Yeah, I still think that Mike Evans probably has, not counting this year, maybe two or three more thousand-yard seasons and then kind of gracefully declines. With his skill set, he's not somebody like uh, Terrell Owens or Chad Johnson where they rely on their pure speed or Julio Jones for that matter. And their size, he just has size and savviness is how I would describe Mike Evans. His ability to get open uh, with route running, again, that's better than Chris Godwin has been this season because he's not really exploiting the one-on-one matchups like Mike mm-hmm. Evans. You ask Mike Evans, hey, 15 yards downfield, turn to the left, by the sideline, make the catch. He does that. Chris Godwin hasn't. Right. Um, good point from San Anto Gato, who says, true, but Evans has dropped more than he should have. Godwin has been clutch on third down throws. Yeah, as far as the clutch factor, I think you have to give it to Godwin. Because um, yeah. Pete, uh, who was it? Uh, yeah, sorry. Thomas Foolery said, Godwin has literally won us games. Did we forget Minnesota? He is clutch when the chips are down. Godwin has made plays when called upon. Yeah, that was a fantastic catch. 
Um, yep. Iced the game out against the Saints, too. Remember, there were some big-time third downs that uh, Chris Godwin – there was one, his best catch and run of the season was third down over the middle. He caught it and then ran and got tackled at, like, the two-yard line. But that was, like, a 45-yard play, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, you know, Mike had that egregious drop in the end zone uh, for, for a touchdown. He's had a couple of drops this season. Um, so, I, I – for Thomas, I don't want to forget what Godwin did against Minnesota, but that was week one. It's a little bit of yeah. the what have you done for me lately? Because for all the mistakes Mike has gotten, Adam, I think you bring on a, a spot-on point about Mike is winning those one-on-one battles. Mike is good for a big play each game. I mean, last game he had two touchdowns. Godwin, where's the big play? Where's the signature play? You've really only seen it in Minnesota and in New Orleans. And I'm not saying you have to see it every single week. But Mike is getting those opportunities, and we can't sit here and two weeks ago say, oh, Mike's not – I think we're all in agreement still. Mike needs more targets, but the yeah. the Bucks, whether it's Canales or Todd Bowles or whoever keeps saying, oh, well, they put coverage on Mike's side, so we can't get Mike the football. But then two weeks later, bam, two touchdowns, big plays down the field, 100-yard gain. So – are they doubling Mike or are they <laughs> are they not? Because if they're doubling Mike, then Chris Godwin should be way more open uh, than he really is. I He'd just want to add yeah, to the point that Godwin has won us games. Evans has kept the Bucks in games. He kept them in the Indianapolis game last week. All yep. his touchdowns this season, he's caught over half of Baker Mayfield's touchdown passes. Yeah. When the Bucks <laughs> score, it's because of Mike Evans. So he's really the main part of why they've been competitive. And I just want to say that uh, with with Chris Godwin, um, just being able to get more touchdowns, I think, is huge. Because with the points per game that the Bucs have scored, the, you've heard it all season from Dave Canales, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. Yep. Chris Godwin is that last puzzle piece. If they can solve that, I think that unlocks the offense. But if Chris Godwin yep. doesn't get going, the Bucs are going to be at this place where like, we're almost there, we're almost there. Chris Godwin, if he balls out like 2019, 2020, then the offense progresses into getting 24, 25 points a game. And Canals has said for a couple of weeks now that I got to get Chris the ball more in the red zone. I have to get him the ball more. Well, they tried to get him the ball, at least in that first drive on the Kyle Trask throw. So maybe that's a sign of things to come. And I'm not sitting here saying, well, if Baker was in the game, it's clearly going to be a touchdown. I'm not saying that by any means, but they do need that other option in the red zone because Kadon's been there here and there. They love to run the same play where Otten blocks initially and then yeah. he goes out and then, then he he's releases. wide open because everyone forgets about him. But Baker has to wait 10 seconds, gets clobbered and is able to throw the ball for a touchdown. But yeah, they, they really do need that second option. They haven't been really able to, to run it in the red zone. Again, the Colts game, they ran it on that second down play with Kyle Trask and Rashad White and White didn't score. Um, let me get to two more comments real quick. Uh, Nathan Elliott says, Chris Godwin is still recovering from his surgery. Bucks will not say that. Uh, respectfully, I'm going to disagree because he got yeah. hurt two seasons ago. So we had all the rest of that season, the off season. And the last season was really the year where it's like, oh, well, maybe he's still not 100%. And he ended up getting over 100 catches and <laughs> lead the team. He had the most targets last practice. year. Yeah, exactly. Now, some of that, again... We, we don't have to manufactured by Byron Leftwich. Yeah, the yeah. We don't we don't have to keep going down that road. And there have been less men you've manufactured 
touches for Chris Godwin, but the Bucs have been finding it in different ways with Canal system, whether it's obviously Rashad White butting in the uh, in the receiving game or uh, Devin Tompkins, obviously, they've been utilizing him. So I don't know. I he, Chris talked a lot this season, at least in the preseason, about how his knee feels so much better and how this this offseason was so much different but for the better because he could focus on getting better as a wide receiver versus just rehabbing his knee and, and getting healthy that way. So I appreciate the comment, Nathan. You're obviously one of our guys. You're, you're always on here. Uh, but respectfully, I'm going to disagree with that. Wayne says Evans is good, but not elite. I put him in the really good category. It's tough to say that he's elite at this point, but I mean, he's still one of the best receivers in the league. I just want to uh, go back to uh, Nathan's comment about Godwin. So with Godwin, I remember in OTAs, he mentioned like he's gotten a lot of his explosiveness back. And yeah. Godwin looks fine compared to maybe Dallas in week one last year. You could argue he was at like 70, 80 percent. There isn't a doubt in my mind, at least that Godwin's <laughs> at like 95, 100 percent on the health. Like he's fully back. And um, the last comment with Evans being good, but not elite. Uh, if that's the case, he's been very good for a decade now. Yeah. And just that consistency for the Bucs uh, heading into the next season, there's so many uncertain parts. Mike Evans is that one sure thing. And yeah. with Chris Godwin, he really hasn't been a sure thing over the past two seasons. A uh, good comment from Angle who says, uh, we have literally talked about how Baker misses reads. Hell, Josh Capo did an all 22 deep dive that showed this. All of your receivers are going to suffer with that. Uh, yeah, that's another thing. I mean, overall, yeah. we talk a lot about Baker being average slash solid on the season. Um, but he has missed some throws at times. Even the indie game, the, the broadcasters highlighted a moment where Mike Evans was wide open and he kind of dumped it off to Rashad White in general. But again, that's why Baker is a $4 million quarterback that's been solid to okay when obviously everybody's looking for good to great. Now, if you're looking for a great energy drink to have to – to pump you up, to get you ready for whatever you got going on. The energy energy drink that you have to have, of course, is a Celsius energy drink, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. Check out all their awesome flavors. The Cosmic Vibe is the newest one. I love the Arctic Vibe. That's my personal favorite, but you can't go wrong with any of these flavors. Look at these great flavors on the screen. You got the Tropical Vibe, the Sparkling Orange, Sparkling Watermelon, Sparkling Wild Berries, so many awesome, great flavors. The Strawberry Akai, Strawberry Lemonade as well is one of my favorites. Uh, no sugar, no post-energy drink crash or jitters that you may get with another product out there. So if you need to know where to find a Celsius energy drink, don't you worry. We got you covered. Go to the Celsius store locator on their website. Punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you can pick one up. Um, you know, you could be in Tampa, you could be in New York, where I am right now. You could be across the country in uh, Oregon or somewhere like that, um, or Idaho, Wyoming, you name it, they got it. Um, it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you could pick one up. It could be at your local Walmart, Target, health and fitness store, or your bodega. Bodega. That was one of your best ones yet. <laughs> and... Once you go to your bodega and you're like, ah, I love this. I want more. That's when you go over to Amazon, get it in bulk. I recommend getting that variety pack because variety is the spice of life. You can have it sent to your place of residence every week, month, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast and the Pewter Game Day show, which will be back this Sunday 
for Bucks versus Panthers. I will be live for the uh, pregame show along with the live in-game stream. This is a 4 o'clock game, so the pregame show will start at 3.05, and then uh, the in-game opinions and everything will be at 4.05. It's a ton of fun that we have every single week, and we're still having fun, even though the Bucks have lost 6 of 7. Um, so, you know, we try to spice it up as much as we can. I think I'll go heavier with my bets this week because, let's face it, the Eagles and 49ers are playing at the same time, so you got to have a little bit more of a rooting interest than the Bucs trying to beat a one-win team. So let's just root for all of our uh, prop bets this week, which I'll have them out on Peter Picks and Props coming out on Friday. But in the meantime, let's keep it rolling, Adam. Got to get to that super chat. Uh, apologize to have you waiting, Eric, but thank you to Eric Moreno for this $2 super chat who says, you guys think Devin White and Dennis will play? That's a uh, that's an interesting one, Adam. The injury yeah. report came out uh, a little while ago. Um, do you have it in front of you by any chance? I could pull it up. Um, I do. Yeah, I can. I got. Why don't you it. tell the Peter people? Yeah. So, looking at the injury report for today, uh, Levante David uh, did not participate, as did uh, Jamel Dean, also who did not participate. Devin White. So, kind of looking at that after being limited yesterday. I saw him. Uh, he was on a separate field. He didn't uh, warm up with the team. He was individual. So that's something to monitor. Uh, Mike Green did not participate, um, as well as Servassier Dennis, who was out with an illness. Uh, let's see. Carlton Davis was a full participant. Encouraging. Uh, Yaya Diaby was limited with an ankle. Chris Godwin. Uh, all the talk about Chris Godwin. He was added to the injury report, uh, limited with a neck injury. And Baker Mayfield was a full participant. Yeah, so more or less of the same from yesterday with the exception of um, Chris Godwin. We'll talk about that in in just a moment. Um, But to answer Eric's question about Servassier and and Devin White. So Devin did participate yesterday, but it was a walkthrough. Um, Devin's foot injury has been highlighted quite a good amount, either from Devin or... Uh, from Coach Bowles and things like that. Devin's not making it an excuse, but every game you just see more and more and more issues. I think the bigger concern is it looks like you're looking at another week without Levante David at inside linebacker. And I I, I respect Savasi Dennis for the hustle that he brought. Um, I still think, you know, he could end up being a solid inside linebacker. We'll see what's up with the illness. I guess it's better that he got sick at the beginning of the week than at the end of the week. Um, but the Bucs had a tough... Again, with, with yeah, the rookies, Servassier Dennis pretty much missed the preseason as well. And he's still kind of like getting back in the swing of things um, and was inactive for much of the season. Yeah. So for what he did um, Sunday against the Colts, Larry Foote said he did a good job. He had that uh, that one play where he was the only one that read the the play action um, pass on uh, fourth and inches. But Servassier Dennis, not like a, a starting caliber inside linebacker yet. Yeah, and I think we also have to remember that they went up against Jonathan Taylor, who's one of the best running backs yeah. uh, in the league. But it's just infuriating. Like Even at the end of the game, it was most likely done after Baker got strip-sacked. But you still had all three timeouts. So, you know, you could play the game in your head. Oh, you stop them. It probably kills 30 to 45 seconds off the clock, but you're going to get the ball back with no timeouts. The Colts didn't even get to third down. They ran it twice and got the first down, and that was the end of the game. Now, 
Will the Panthers be able to do that? No, I don't think so. Their offensive line is absolutely atrocious. and They're signing offensive guards off the street. Yeah. And, maybe and start. I mean, they're a bad team. They have one win on the season. They fired their coach. Their owner's a maniac. Like, clearly, this team has a lot of issues. So, I do wonder if there was any week that you could sit Levante and Devin White. You know, granted, the, the health of... Sarasi Dennis plays a huge factor into this. But, like, would you even consider going Sarasi Dennis and KJ Britt as your starters? And maybe rotate JJ Russell in because he's shown a knack to make plays. I'd probably put Russell over Britt, in my opinion. But if it's against any team, it's the Panthers. Yeah. What about they also need to win? Yeah. How how about this situation? Devin plays, but he's clearly not 100%. You know, the Bucs go full throttle with their guys. For example, like Antoine Winfield Jr. plays 100% of the snaps. Whoever ends up being the starting safety, whether it was Ryan Neal at the beginning of the season or now D. Delaney. D. Delaney's a little bit different because they shift him in and out. But usually that other safety ends up playing 100%. Jamel Dean, when he's in, plays 100%. Carlton Davis, which I just like, I Carlton Davis is coming off a toe injury, which is clearly going to affect you even more as a cornerback when you're running all over the place. Like, I don't know, maybe limit his snaps a little bit where he's not playing 100% of the time. Because you just throw, oh, hey, you're back from injury? All right, get right back in there and don't miss a snap. I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, subbing in an injured guy in and out from the game, especially when you have Zion McCollum who can go in there and you feel pretty confident about. Um, But as far as the linebackers, what if they just played Devin on – first and second down, and then took him out after second down. Or you let Savassier play first and second down, and Devin White comes in for third down so he could blitz. I know people yeah. hate when he's in coverage, so you just have him in to blitz. Like, I'd almost rather see that rotation than just, hey, we're going to put a hobbled Devin White out there. and, uh, and Whatever just... happens, happens. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> just leave it to fate. Yeah. Matt, there is a question for you I thought was interesting in the chat. Because you're in New York right now, yeah. uh, from first name greatest, Matt, have you noticed any difference from New York Jets Bulls to the Bucks version of Bulls? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I do have to look at it with a little bit of a caveat, though. Like, when Bulls was with the Jets, like, I, I wasn't covering the NFL or sports like I am now. And that's not to say, like, I didn't pay attention to the Jets or anything like that. Because I would watch them a ton, but I was also still in Tampa. I Yeah, I was in Tampa at the time, so I wasn't able to just watch every single game. Um, but with that said, I can probably give more intel and insight than other people. Uh, one of the biggest knocks on Todd Bowles and, uh, with the Jets, and he's brought it over to the Bucks, is his in-game management, whether it's calling a timeout at a bad time or not calling a timeout or deciding to go for it. Timeout Todd. Yeah. Or not going for it here when you should have those big mistakes, which Jets fans hated with Todd Bowles. He has directly brought that over to the Buccaneers. There has been no difference there. Personality wise. I feel like when Bowles came to the Jets, I don't think he was trying to emulate Bill Belichick but he was very like, no nonsense. Here's your answer. Da, 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 da. Where now he's, and maybe that's just a product of being around Bruce Arians a little bit more. You're in Tampa where things are a little bit it's brighter nice and, and sunnier and stuff like that. And I'm not saying this is what makes you a good football coach or not, but he's definitely opened up more. He's, he can be quite sarcastic at times. 
the players clearly really enjoy playing for him, even through all of these struggles. Um, so as a person, I think he's definitely different in Tampa than he was in New York. As far as coaching styles go, it, it's a little bit different as well. I mean, the, that that first season, the Jets had a great offense, ironically, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But you had yeah. Fitz and Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. You had a good, good offense. And that team won 10 games, but they didn't make the playoffs that season. Um but then Bowles comes here, and you got Tom Brady, and you had even more explosive firepower and weapons with this Bucks offense than he ever did in New York, and he wasn't able to do anything with it. I know he's a defensive coach, so it's a good question. I think there's some things that's changed a little bit, but the glaring issues have remained, and that's why you know he might be out of a job after this. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well. We got to talk about Bucks versus Panthers uh, a little bit. Or was there anything else you were at practice today? Um, oh, you know what? I forgot to play the video of Dave Canales talking about Mike Evans. So yeah, why don't we hear what Dave Canales had to say about the greatest offensive player in team history? I think this guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, his career speaks for itself. The way that he's able to find access and get open in any scenario, um, I would have to give it to Mike. You know, and and I don't want to take anything away from. Tyler, Doug Baldwin, you know, DK, who are fantastic players, you know, um, and this is a guy who kind of puts it all together and he's six foot five with that length. And, and, you know, we've seen in games too, where he can just flat out run by guys still at this point, you know, so he really does have it all. What do you think? See a first battle hall of famer. Ooh, it depends on who's in the class. If there's like yeah. a lot of quarterbacks when he uh, hangs it up, but based on the production, you would have to say if he retired today, he'd be a Hall of Famer. First I agree. Pilot, eh, uh, yeah, but. I think he's I think he's a Hall of Famer, but probably not a actually I take that back. I know he's a Hall of Famer. But yeah. I don't think he would be a first ballot. But you bring up a good point, Adam, about it depends on the class. Because for example, this year's draft uh Hall of Fame class, there were no wide receivers in it, which I think was very fitting because the top two, at least for people that Bucks fans would care about. The top two names on this list were Rondé Barber and Darrell Rivas, who all they yeah. did was shut down wide receivers. But if Mike Evans was eligible for that draft class, he probably gets in that year. But down the road, and it depends on what year he retires and, and all that different stuff, um, it, it's going to take a little bit to um, to get him in. But ultimately, I, I do think that he gets in, especially if he keeps going with this 1,000 yards record and – uh, career touchdowns and career receiving yards and everything like that. He just passed the New York Jet great Don Matern for uh, touchdowns. And, you know, Mike's going to end up in the top 10 in touchdowns, uh, yeah. you know, when it's all said and done. So definitely, uh, definitely, definitely exciting for uh, hopefully when he gets into Canton. But you heard Dave Canales in that video. You talked about Mike Evans, but then he kind of gave a shout out to some of the other guys that he worked with, Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, who's playing tonight. Uh, DK Metcalf's playing tonight. So good game tonight between the Cowboys and the Seahawks. Pretty fun. Actually but again, a good uh, Thursday night game. Exactly. Finally. And maybe you want to be a little more intrigued by it. Maybe bet on the game, which you, of course, can bet on it over at mybookie.ag. Football's always the best to bet on. If you found a $100 bill on the ground, you wouldn't walk past it 
So don't pass up a chance to a chance at easy cash with my bookie. My bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. So you can turn that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Bet on the NFL, college bowl games, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, that time is now. Make your winning move today. Sign up at MyBookie using the promo code Pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R. Claim your first deposit match redeemable up to $1,000. That's free money in your MyBookie account. Even if you learn for Plant City Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. Again, that's promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, to, compl- to claim your bonus. Experience the thrill of sports betting right from the comfort of your own home. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Check out their online casino as well. Matt, I have, a, I have a question for you. I have an answer. So if the season were to end today, right, mm-hmm. would you extend Mike Evans or – would you extend Chris Godwin after next year? Who would be the receiver that you would build around long-term, maybe for the next three years? Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and who would be that number two wide receiver? Because let's say the Bucks can't keep both of them. Do they try to draft somebody? And when would they draft them? Yeah, um, good question. I would go with Mike Evans. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. He's been doing it year in and year out. Um, I think you could probably still get Mike for a good enough deal. they're going to for a good enough deal they're going to have to do what they did with Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean where you let them go out and test free agency and hopefully Mike comes back to Tampa now Mike is driven by winning he doesn't care as much about money he doesn't want to play for free no one does um but you know that could hurt or help his chances um but you know until Chris Godwin starts proving it you're you're either betting on a known commodity in Mike Evans or the hope of a potential with Chris Godwin. Now, if they were to extend Mike or re-sign Mike and maybe let go Chris Godwin after next season, I think you got to draft the wide receiver in the second round, maybe third round. Get like a guy that can impact right away. Because the Bucks have gone the route of, you know, Trey Palmer's an example right now. And Devin Tompkins is an undrafted free agent. Jalen Darden was a late round pick. Adam Humphreys back in the day. Yeah, I mean, that's different. And he worked out. But Rakim Jarrett, same thing. And now he's on IR. The Bucs have hit before with finding that diamond in the rough. But I feel like sometimes they go to that well a little bit too much where it's like, all right, just get the stud that's there in the second round. Like, who knows? If, if the Bucs end up continuously losing, they could back their way into a situation where they end up with Maserati Marv or Malik Neighbors or someone Maserati like Maserati Marv. Yeah, and uh, it would be tough to pass up that opportunity. But it's a good question, Adam. What would you do? I I agree with re-signing Mike Evans. Chris Godwin, if they can get him back at an affordable deal, I think he's going to want more money probably than the Bucks are comfortable paying him just based on his track record. But then drafting that, I feel like the Bucs would need to draft a receiver in the first round just because of all the playmakers. Like adding a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase in the first yeah. round, getting that level of talent would be huge, no matter who's throwing the ball uh, at quarterback. 
Right. It's just like in this situation, are you finding, are you trying to find your quarterback as well? Or are you running it back with Baker? Are you going with Kyle Trask? Because that's the other thing is it's really tough to, to miss out on a quarterback in this year's draft class. Yeah. Yeah. So many options. You, you can't afford a whiff with the mega quarterback class. And begs the question, if the Bucks keep losing, how high of a pick will they get? And would the quarterback of their choice be on the board? Because yeah, you have to uh, think Williams will go first. Mm-hmm. May will probably go top three. And then it's like Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. Yeah, I think I think Daniels is going to – I said this the other day. He's going to do what Anthony Richardson did, where first people are like, eh, I don't know, and then everyone's going to – people are already falling in love with him. I've yeah. seen like at least four other teams, fans of teams, being like, Jay Daniels, Jay Daniels. So, um, yeah, he might be out of the mixer for them. But you talked about, you know, you got to – you can't afford to miss this. You got to be in a situation to afford something in the first place, which means you got to have your financials in order and, and proper and, and going about it the right way. So you best be linking up with the Muni Financial. At A Muni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. That's right. Amuni Financial has proudly been serving clients across the country since 1980. They can help with advisory services, investment banking, annuities, sales and trading. Uh, if you want to set up a college account for uh, your child as well, they are the people to talk to. Give them a call. Um, give you a free consultation, which is great. And they have offices all over the place, not just in Colorado, not just in Tampa. You could be in Texas. You could be in Oklahoma. You can be in Minnesota, Delaware. Don't matter. They got it all over the place. So check out Amini Financial, get a free consultation and give them a call today. All right, Adam, as we start to wind down the show, uh, actually, I take that. Well, we are going to wind down the show, but we got a super chat as well from Trustin Vorbeck. Thank you for the four ninety nine super chat, Trustin. It says, what do you think of Keon Coleman? Also, quarterback, I would think, is a must. Mediocrity is not worth keeping your job, unfortunately. Great point, Trustin. I'm a huge fan of Keon Coleman. I was yeah. at that Florida State LSU game where he scored three touchdowns. And remember, he transferred from Michigan State, so that's his first game with Florida State, and he just exploded onto the scene. What I love about Florida State's offense, and granted, it's way different now that there's no Jordan Travis, but they had Johnny Walker. I just keep calling him Johnny Football. And you had Keon Coleman. And it's a little bit reminiscent of, like, the Bruce Arian style of offense where you got your two dogs at wide receiver and you just have them go out, win their one-on-one battles. They might not even be open, but you just throw it up and they're going to get the the contested ball. Uh, Keon Coleman is also uh, a really good punt returner too. So he adds a little bit more of a dynamic to his game. He's got the size athleticism can make guys miss. I'm a huge fan of Keon Coleman. I would love for him to be with the Bucks. Yeah. But I think with so many needs on the roster, wide receiver is more of a luxury pick that the Bucks really can't afford in the first couple rounds this year. Yeah. Uh, but maybe in the years ahead, but Keon Coleman, I know, uh, 
Logan Robinson. He covers yep. uh, the Seminoles a lot, and he's a big fan of Keon Coleman. And it's easy to see why. He's 6'4", 215, and he's had some big games. So you kind of think of maybe someday Bucks have to replace Mike Evans. Keon Coleman would be a great fit, but again, probably not going to happen. Yeah, he's probably not getting out of the first round. No. If he's there in the second round, take him again it, instantly. Yeah. I don't think that's that's going to be the case. All right, Adam, Bucks versus Panthers, just real quick. What do you want to see from both sides of the football to uh, to get a Bucks a win, which has been quite difficult to do over the last two months? Yeah, the Bucks are desperate for a win. So this Sunday, just want to see the Bucks playing hungry. Uh, all the players. Who's ever on the field needs to step up uh, on offense. It's coming so close. Maybe it's a game Chris Godwin finally emerges and has a breakout game. Maybe gets a couple touchdowns. But regardless, getting back on track, putting up a performance like they did against the Texans, they have every chance to because it's the Panthers, the 1-10 in 10 Panthers. They yeah. can't lose, right? And then on defense, the defensive line has every ability to feast. When you yeah. got Vita Vea, NFC Defensive Player of the Month, Rookie of the Month, uh, Kalaja Kansi, and Yaya Diaby all up there against guards off the street, the Bucks have to get home, get five maybe six sacks like they did against the Bears, and really just playing complimentary football. Uh, the Bucks, on paper, it looks like a game they can cover the spread and yeah. win by double digits. They just have to go out there, talk about it all the time, Todd Bowles, execute. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep it simple. On the offensive side of the ball, just eliminate all of those stupid mistakes, whether it's penalties, and even some of those penalties weren't their fault, but penalties, you know, the illegal shift at the end, the drop balls. There hasn't been much with this Bucks offense over the last three weeks where I'm like, oh, wow, like this team is is clueless. Like they don't know how to move the ball. They're moving yeah. the ball. They just, they again, do something very silly on each drive that that ends up, um, you know, really stalling them. So just eliminate those silly mistakes on offense, and that'll take them a long way. And I'm in full agreement with you on defense. That defensive line has to get home. I know Todd loves to blitz. This is a game you shouldn't need to blitz 75% of the time. All right. You have good enough pass rushers that can get to the quarterback. And I recommend stacking the box again. If, if Levante's yeah. not going to play and Sarasi Dennis is ill and, and um, I shouldn't be laughing at, but if he's sick and you're already down a couple of guys at inside linebacker, stack the box and don't even give the Panthers a thought of being able to run it consistently because. Yeah. The Colts were able to do that, and it made life so much easier easier for their quarterback, Gardner Minshew. Uh, Bryce Young clearly is struggling as a rookie. Maybe not more. LaVisca Chenault went on the injured reserve today. So, so they should be able to stop him. I'd stack the box, get home with the pass rush, and play Marquise Watts. Damn it. Yeah. Play Marquise <laughs> Watts. Give him, Preach. Yeah, give him some opportunities. But, guys, that's going to do it for us uh, on today's show. If you're not already doing so, please – Follow us on our social media on X, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. We are at Pewter Report. And then our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. This is the last episode of the work week for us. We'll obviously be back on Sunday for the Pewter Game Day show that starts at 3.05 uh, with an hour preview. And then uh, I'll give my live in-game uh, opinions and reactions and everything to Bucks vs. Panthers itself at 4.05. So, Please join us. It'll be right on our YouTube channel. You don't need to, uh, you know, download anything different or, or have a tough time finding it. It's just right on our YouTube channel. And uh, please like and subscribe to this page. We'd really appreciate it. Leave a comment. 
uh, all that fun stuff. But uh, until then, for Adam Slavon, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Sunday for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Pewter Post Game Show as well. Don't forget about that. All right. Peace out.